So here we are, our last week of, of looking at the Bread of Life discourse. And uh, this, this really, you know, of course, brings all of it together. We began with the feeding of the multitude, right? He feeds uh, 5,000 men and then, of course, all the women that were there and all the children that were there, you know, probably over 10,000 people. They follow him across uh, the, the sea, the lake, and they find him. Where'd you go? You know, don't work for food that's going to perish. Work for bread that, you know, that lasts unto eternal life. Where can we get this bread? Ultimately, he says, I am that bread. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Right? And then they say, well, how can he give us his flesh? We heard that last week. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Right? And what we did is we looked at the text and we said, okay, what does the text say about how they received what he said? And then how did he respond to the way in which they received his message? In other words, did they receive his saying as literal or figurative language? Right? Was he... Was he speaking figuratively or literally, etc.? And if they received him literally, did he correct them? And if he didn't correct them, that is significant, all right? And so we see what happens all the way through, all right? Last week, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They understood him literally, and he had the chance to correct them. He doesn't do it. In fact, five times he says... Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Five different times he reiterates, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then even a sixth time, he says it again, really. He doesn't back down at all, knowing full well that they understand him in a way that is shocking. You know, how can, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is a shocking, shocking, strange and odd and, and off-putting, morbid kind of teaching. And so we heard in the last two weeks, the Jews, which you know, generally stands for, in the, in the Gospel of John, generally stands for sort of the, the Jewish leadership. The Jews were grumbling you know, and mumbling amongst themselves. And, and the Lord catches them and, and reiterates himself. Well, here, after he reiterates himself, what we heard last week, now it's actually his disciples who are grumbling. All right? So, so they even recognize this teaching sounds, it's, it sounds crazy. It just sounds crazy because they say, you know, biblical language, this is, this is the way they say, this sounds crazy. Biblical language, they say, this saying is hard. Who can accept this? How can you accept this teaching? We have to eat your flesh and drink your blood? This is cannibalism. We could never do this. And Jesus, of course, turning to his disciples, not just the Jews who he was very fond of sort of upsetting, he had no problem upsetting them. Now it's his disciples that are saying, wait a second, you're going a little too far with this flesh and blood thing. He turns to them and he says, does that shock you? Wait till you see me ascend to my heavenly father. This teaching shocks you. You're going to see things that I'm going to do in not very long that are going to shock you. You're going to be shocked. 
Don't think this shocks you at all. And he basically tells them, you, you have to have faith. You have to have a life in the spirit to understand this teaching and accept this teaching. I'm not going to back down from this teaching. And then we're told, for this reason, uh, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Now, what kind of teacher would allow that to happen? And look at the arc of the story. You know, look at the arc of the story from, from the feeding of over probably 10,000 people. In a very short period of time, 10,000 people are following him. This great multitude, this incredible popularity. I mean, you, that, that's an incredible crowd to draw as a teacher. And they're, they're following and listening to every word he has to say. And then he brings them to, to the, the central focus of what he has to say, the central teaching uh, during this Bread of Life discourse. And he's willing to let just about every single one of them leave. Why would you do that? That's madness. He's either a horrible teacher. He's either a horrible teacher, he's mad, or he actually meant what he said. He's either really bad at what he's doing, which doesn't seem to make sense. He's vicious or wicked, or he's insane, or he actually means what he says. And so he turns to the, the 12, his closest friends, and he says, well, they've all left. Do you also want to leave? And Peter, who always speaks for the 12 to this day, Peter speaks for the 12 and says, where else are we going to go? We've been with you for far too long to go anywhere else. We know you. We know you. And if you say this is true, then it's true. We don't understand. This sounds, I mean, he's probably saying this sounds crazy, you know, in his head, because it sounds crazy. We don't understand this, but we know you. We know you. And Jesus, if you say it's true, you're the Holy One of God, then it's true. Then it's true. And so they continue to follow him. And you know, they would continue to follow him all the way to Jerusalem, of course, and afterward, but they would follow him all the way to Jerusalem. And then on the night that he was betrayed, they were sitting at that Passover meal. And Jesus took the bread. And they, they've, always, they've done the Passover meal before together. And of course, they were all Jews. So they had done the Passover meal since they were, they were kids. They had done it many, many times throughout their lives. But this time, Jesus did something different with this Passover meal. He took the bread and he blessed it. And then he, he broke it and he gave it to them. He said something different. He said, this is my body. And you can imagine at that point, they said, oh, okay. And then he took the, the chalice filled with wine and he, and he said, take this, this is my blood. And the disciples probably said, oh, well now it makes perfect sense because you're the Lamb of God. Just like John the Baptist said, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God, the Lamb of, of the Passover, which was slaughtered and consumed, eaten, before the, before the Israelites left Egypt, right, to be, to be saved from slavery. And the blood of, of that lamb was, was put on the, on the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over. That lamb saved every Israelite family who fed upon it. They were saved, they were set free from slavery, and they were brought into the promised land. And the Jews celebrated that Passover over and over. Why did God do that? Why did he make them eat such a strange meal before he saved them? So many years before. It's almost like he had a plan. And then he said, continue eating this meal over and over and over throughout the centuries. And then he sends his son. And his son does something anew. And he takes that meal. And he says, I am the lamb of sacrifice. And what God the Father wants to do is not merely set you free from physical slavery. He wants to set you free from spiritual slavery. He wants to set you free from yourself, from your sins, from your suffering. And it's through this meal he's going to do it. And so take this bread, it's my body. Take this wine, it's my blood. God is going to transform it so that you can receive me, the lamb of sacrifice, so that I can set you free, says the Lord. This is why the Eucharist. This is why. This is why such a, such a strange meal and such a strange teaching. It all makes perfect sense if we understand the story. It made perfect sense to them at the Last Supper. And hopefully now it makes even greater sense to us today. This, this lamb of sacrifice offered here and offered every Every Mass is that same sacrifice of Calvary which sets us free and liberates us from all of our sins. Please stand.